Welcome to the Cackalack Panthers Chat Podcast, coming to you quasi-live from the Gate City. Folks, we are the official, unofficial Carolina Panthers Podcast. The statements made on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of those individuals making them. Opinions may change on the fly, after conscious deliberation, or for no reason whatsoever. And finally, as Mel likes to remind us, we are grossly unqualified to give our opinions on professional football players, but we in no way let that stop us or even give us pause. My name is Adam. I'm one of your three hosts tonight. I have here with me Will Stradamus and Mel. Are you all ready to get started? Let's go. Yep. All right. So there's no BK. So therefore, there is no tonight's sponsor since she handles all the sponsorships. So let's just jump right into it. Pretty miserable game. Will, I know you've got a lot of thoughts here, but try to keep them, you know, tame. <laughs> I don't limited. want to upset you further tonight. <laughs> Are, um, are 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 we gonna get the the cat the cat's not meow? I, I think we we definitely should. So how did we do? Uh, it was an L. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about it. I mean, that sounds better than the product we put out on the field. I will say, you know, I, I, I'll start with the the highlights. Um, Ejiro Avero is so far doing a fantastic job as our defensive coordinator. I think miraculously he has even CJ Henderson looking like a halfway viable player. Um, obviously, although, although he got, he graded out poorly. This I'm, week. I'm, I'm sure he did. Um, but you know, he, and he always does that thing where he just, he can't, he seems to be in the right positions, but he loves to interfere with passes, mm-hmm. you know, regardless Olav or Olave and, and Michael Thomas didn't drop three touchdowns on a go route on him. Um, so that, that gives me some hope that Ajiro is, you know, he's watching these guys. He's, he's not letting people skunk us. Um, and, you know, just overall, I, I don't think we have any, uh, we, we don't have a defense that is stocked with high-level players. We've, we've got some great ones. Luvu, uh, Burns didn't really show up last night. Uh, Derek Brown is is always uh, doing some good things. I mean, I saw him absolutely crush a few of those Saints yeah. linemen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, other than that, I, I think he's just doing a lot with uh, – Giro is doing a lot with not a whole lot on the roster. That's awesome. Love to see that. Really enjoyed the way our defense played. I mean, they, they kept the – even after Shaq – went out um they they kept the fire up uh they did not seem to really get gassed until you know probably midway through the third quarter which i think is also very impressive because even last season you know our defense was still they they were the the better part of the team better half i think but they would regularly get gassed by about the second quarter um so that was that was overall uh that was reassuring uh offense uh, i don't think there is a single bright spot on offense Miles Sanders, that that contract is is already looking pretty frustrating. Um, Bryce is, you know, he was drafted based on his mental abilities. That was supposed to be his superior trait because obviously he is below average in every physical characteristic for an NFL quarterback. <laughs> and I just do not see that big brain really coming into play. Um, Frank Reich has been an abysmal play caller. I am, you know, we again heard, you know, preseason, it's just a vanilla offense. Obviously we're not going to be doing the same stuff in the regular season, 
but it seems like they're doing the same stuff in the regular season. That's concerning. He doubled down on, you know, my plays are good. My play calling is good in his press conference. Don't like that. You know, we heard Greg talk about how Frank Reich would need to be humble, probably turn play calling over sooner rather than later. Not sure if that's going to happen. That's a bit disconcerting. You know, we got guys down on the line. The line's not playing well. Let me ask a question. Greg said that. Was he on the broadcast last night? No, because he's Fox. Who are you saying, Greg? We're, we're talking about Catman. Yeah. Ooh, I am so sorry. Okay. Sorry, Catman. Sorry, Catman. Um. So, and and our wide receivers just obviously they're uh, they're not fast enough. They don't have the hands. They are just generally not able to get much separation. Um. I I'm a little bit concerned that Bryce's size, you know, might might be a more detrimental than than I had thought you know that one sack where he just kind of got tugged by the he got scruffed basically by by the lineman and got tugged down and lost his footing you know he lost the ball on that that play and it um you know he's just he doesn't have Cam Newton's gigantic mitts so he can you know it just he had two hands on that ball and, and he still lost it so I mean it was just I I don't know if there is any any positive offensive takeaways from that game um but that's that's just sort of what i saw it was it was really it was really frustrating to watch it was really frustrating to watch it was a difficult game to watch mel what are your thoughts anything you want to add yeah (laughs) (laughs) thoroughly depressed now um i would like to add that people saying that brian burns just wasn't there yesterday i don't know that that's completely the truth because what People, the teams are trying to take him away, yeah, and they try to mitigate him. So I think that could be the factor going on there. I don't think that, um, that necessarily means he didn't do anything because I saw him in on a lot of plays and he made disruptions that caused a lot of things to happen that don't necessarily get called out. Um, I'm still team Brian Burns, I think we should still pay him and sign him. Um, and I think. Frankie Louvu was just he's just an amazing player. He was just um he was everywhere. What were they he calling was, him last night? Lavu? Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. Um they tried to get fancy with his name. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would echo a lot of the comments that you made, Will. Uh I, I'm not as despondent as I think you are. I, I think this is the <laughs> the culmination of, you know, uh Six, years of trauma. Years of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 where I was going with that. Um, the, certainly, the defense seems like it's holding its own, and I agree. But for the woeful performance of the offense, I, I think the defense would have done even better. It, there's just a point when you're on the field all the time that it, it, you can only do so much. Yeah, and the defense, unlike. Defensive players, unlike offensive players, have to constantly be motoring. You know, a lot of times if a guy knows that the ball's not coming to him or he's not going to be in the play, he's just one of the three wide receivers lined up and it's a run play. You know, he's he's not out there having to do a ton. Whereas if you're on the defense, you're constantly pushing, spinning, pulling to try to to try to get to plays. And so it does wear on you. But I, I think the performance of the defense, both last week and this week, is a testament to Ajiro. He seems to the scheme I, I had questions about, but I, I think it seems to to work, and uh, and it's allowing some linebackers like Luvu to really shine. I don't know if I couldn't really tell in watching the game if them maybe giving more attention to Brian Burns created some openings for Luvu, but he had a monster game. He seems like he's just building on the 
performances that he had last year, which I think he was one of the best linebackers in the NFL last year, just didn't get the same kind of love kind of being on our team. Uh, and, you know, the team all around, I think, Will, you made a comment earlier today that it, it seems like nobodies are making plays and are showing up. And again, that's going back to that scheme of Ijiru. Um, and, and so even the guy that came in for Shaq Thompson, I cannot remember his name. He's got a hyphenated name. Yeah. But, um, came it's, in. It's like Gregor Hill, but it's not Gregor. It's some like French or some kind of pronunciation. Yeah, but I mean, even he made some really good plays. And and so I hope that it's not just the scheme. I hope this is indicative, at least on the offensive side of the ball, that there's some real talent there in the wings waiting to develop and that players like him can come along and really plug holes and maybe be the future of the team on the defensive side. Going to the offensive side, though, <laughs> that was disheartening. And I really feel most of that stems from the play calling by Frank Reich. I just every time that I watched us come into a first down situation, we run the ball. Second down situation, run the ball. And it wasn't like we were running different types <laughs> of plays. We were just running the same play up the middle. And you don't have to be brilliant defensively as a team to be able to stop that play. And so that's really concerning for me because I am also concerned that there could be a a lack of humility here or a lack of awareness that allows him to see what it is that he's doing. Because I listened to that same press conference and I was kind of astounded. I, I thought um, Sheena rightly pressed him on that question because from what we were seeing, there there seemed to be the same game plan the whole game. And that can't really be the case when you're chasing or not playing well. you got to have a bouncing outside run once in a while. You've got to have a reverse. You've got to have you know, some screens such as you're, you're breaking players open and that really didn't happen. And on top of that, at least as of right now, we look to have one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL based on talent. And it couldn't have been more glaring in comparison to New Orleans uh, receiving core. When you're seeing Rashid, you're seeing Olave, you're seeing Michael Thomas come out there. And I don't remember what Rashid's last name is, but he's this player that is exploded. It's considered to be one of the fastest players in the NFL, but just having unbelievable plays making, you know, uh, we, we did a good job as a defense, given our secondary issues to hold them to where we did through most of the game. But those, those over the top plays where they're just making athletic plays. I mean, that's, that was a huge difference in the game overall. There were some other things there, of course, but that was a huge difference. So, I, I, I'm concerned about that. That's the part of the team that I'm most concerned about. I'm not despondent. And one of the reasons why I'm not is because, as I was mentioning on our text thread earlier today, Peyton Manning started the four, first four games of his career with three touchdowns and 11 interceptions. You know, we're not seeing that kind of situation right here. And I, and I think, in part, part of the rationale in what Frank Reich is doing is he's keeping it so simple in an effort to reduce turnovers to keep the team in the game because a, a pick six can really blow open a game. And, and I think that's the rationale. I don't agree with it, especially seeing how anemic our offense has been to this point. But I think if I had to read his mind, that's the thought process there. So 
I think that's I think that's fair, yeah. But it's just like I mean, I thought Mike Shula got back in the building and took the play sheets. You know, those those like halfback draws up the mid. You know, you go right side and then you go left side, and yeah. then you you know have a third and eight, and Bryce is throwing a you know our wide receiver is getting five yards downfield and cutting across, and Bryce is scrambling back there for four seconds, and then you know he's just he's way late getting the pass out, and then the guy that's getting the pass is either hitting him in the hands and he's dropping it like Mingo did yeah. or you know it's just you know Adam Thielen's not getting the yards after after the catch and and the the depth is is too shallow to get past that first down marker and it's just it, it was a whole it was a whole mess yeah and I think you highlighted something that w- wasn't one of the most glaring issues but was certainly an issue when Bryce needed pass protection he wasn't getting pass protection I mean he, he's having to hang in there longer to make throws because our guys are not creating separation and, and getting open so when he was having to do that he is forced into a scramble situation and we still didn't have kind of what you would hope to have in the way of players getting open in those kind of unplanned uh the scramble drill you got to be able to you got to be able to do that you got to come back to your quarterback you have to get your head around after i mean it's what like after 3 seconds you got to be looking for the yeah. ball yeah that that injury to uh christensen um brady christensen is is pretty apparent the impact that's had Zavala did not have a good game and then cade maids made a huge uh penalty on us when we were uh, i think had a chance to convert to a first down and then it just I think he got benched after that, right? Yeah, I, no, that's what it was. We had a chance to to make a first. We had a chance to convert on a fourth down play when they the one where they brought Andy Dalton in for the sneak. yeah, and Oof. then Cade Mage jumps off sides, and then it goes to we have to kick a field goal at that point. And, and there are any number of things like that that could have changed the tenor of the game. Long story short, though, especially at this point of the season, New Orleans is a better team. There's no question about that. And the fact that we were in the game as long as we were hopefully says something about the the nature of the players that we have on this team and that they're not willing to give up, you know, just because it's a it's a crappy game and we don't look good. So all of that being said, one of our biggest players on our team over the last three to four years, Shaq Thompson was was injured. Uh doesn't look like he's gonna be coming back anytime soon. What are you guys' thoughts about that? I mean, I, I hate it for Shaq. Um, so far, I'm not sure how big of a loss it's actually going to be on the field. Um, I, I think it's more just sort of on a personal note. I think he's. Uh, I think he recognized that uh, he wasn't going to be a player that was in super high demand if he left the team, and so he chose to to stay here, take a pay cut, um, play on the same team that he's been that, that drafted him, and you know that's that's respectable. It kind of know know your worth and and not try to milk every every cent uh when you're already a a millionaire i just i I think this is the last year on his contract no i think he's got another year next year i think so okay i thought i read that this was the last year on his contract but that could be wrong perhaps it is i don't know i'm I'm not 100 percent sure um mel any thoughts about shaq He's been pretty durable most of his yeah, career. Yeah, he has been. And I love Shaq. And I think Shaq brings so much to the table. And I think he brings a lot to the locker room. Hopefully he can still be there for his team. Because if he can be, I know he will be. Um, and But I do think that I was quite impressed because he's sort of the brains 
of the defense. And he, I was impressed by how they still were able to get it done without in his absence. Um, so that was sort of a bright spot there, I think. Secondary was a bright spot. Looking at um, Xavier Woods, Xavier was like, Woods, he was, he yeah, was Von a Bell party. Those yeah. guys, I mean, they were playing their tails off. They were. Um, um, speaking of the, well, not just the secondary, but the defense. What about the fact that they traded up to get that uh, DJ? Is it DJ Johnson? Yeah, the the linebacker, and he hasn't seen the field. Mm-mm. You know, even with them being so hurt and so many injuries on there, he's not seeing the field. Yeah, I was reading something about that on Twitter today. Um, or X, whatever you want to call it. That is concerning, especially given the fact that they moved up. So they, they squandered some draft capital there. And especially in light of the fact that we passed on that, that tight end Washington, that was so heralded coming out of, of college last year. Uh, I don't remember where he went, but he's like six, eight or six, seven. And just people are saying like, man, wouldn't that be a nice target for, uh, Bryce Young to have right now, especially given the issues that we're having in the receiving core. And it certainly seems like you squandered an opportunity there, uh, giving up, you know, draft capital and then drafting a guy who was a fifth year senior, kind of an older player anyway. Um, and, and passing over a, a tight end who could have been in my mind, uh, a, you know, a, a long time player on the Panthers team. Um, he needed some development too, or needs some development too, but he could have been a franchise tight end. And only time will tell how badly we missed on that one. But I'm hopeful this is just a a learning scenario and that it pays dividends down the road. I, I think of Derek Brown a lot of times when you see players that uh, really didn't shine in their first year, but showed some showed some ability. And over the next few years, they seem to come into their own because he's playing as best as he's ever played right now, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's trying to get that contract. Yeah, I mean, he deserves it. Uh, he's one of the best inside linemen in the in the game, and he is beyond disruptive right now. I That was one of the things that really helped Luvu get in on the two sacks that he had was that people were having to do so much to keep Derek Brown in front of them. And even to your point, Will, there was two times in the game that I remembered him just throwing people to the ground. I mean, it's like a men among boys out yeah, there. Yeah. And so I don't know if you guys saw it, but Michael Thomas was running his mouth to Derek Brown inside the tunnel after the game or whatever. It. Ooh, Michael Thomas better watch it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Thomas loves to run his mouth for somebody who's played like six games in the last four years. Uh, yeah, but Derek Brown would not be the kind of man you want to mess with, though. So I was I was laughing a little bit about that, but then I got concerned because I was like, man, if Derek Brown hurts him, he's going to get fined or be out of the game. So, well, you know, we were talking about being, I'm not worried about Bryce Young. I'm giving him time. I don't think it's fair to make a judgment on his whole career in two games. Agreed. Um, but what I would, que- I'm so curious. I, I don't know, and I don't know if anybody truly knows other than the very top people. Who are, who's making all the calls when it comes to the draft picks and all that sort of thing? Is it truly – It was it rule before? Um, no, this is all fits. You can see the continuation of the same philosophy that existed here with rule. Rule has been a scapegoat. I, I don't think he helped, but it is it, – we have given Scott Fitterer too many excuses for all. He has wasted so many of our draft picks. We really desperately needed 
on players that really just ended up setting our franchise further and and further back you know and you know bj johnson is is just the tip of the iceberg but that's been his mo for as long as he's been the gm here you know the the colts were happy to get rid of frank the seahawks were happy to get rid of fitterer and it seems like all the problems that were kind of well known about them on you know various i I guess uh, corners of the the internet you know the the various fandom sites um they they seem to continue to be rearing their ugly heads you know frank reich his issues with not giving up play calling when he should have you know very vanilla play calling and then fit with his overemphasis on athletic traits and and generally just kind of poor scouting and um so it's I, I it is it is clearly fitterer at this point i think he constantly um, I think it just the Panthers scouting department well, in general, they, well, they overthink the, things. And Well, the, if, if this is true and it's always been fit, then that to me points to David Tepper because he's been the one. Yes, it is a make, trickle down. Effect. He's, he's made all these hires. I was never on board with any of the hires he made. It was always, it's always been somebody else that I was hoping would get the position. It was that way when they picked Tepper to be the owner. I was hoping Jerry Richardson wouldn't go for him. He was like my last choice. But, um, yeah, it's it's David Tepper just is, must not be very good at making these kinds of hiring decisions. I don't know. I, I'm not sold that it's it's fitter. I, I, I definitely see some of the things like the DJ Johnson moved as being fitter-esque, and, and I can see that as being a, a thing maybe he pushed. But I look at the J.C. Horn uh pick there and I'm I'm pretty confident that was rule that was his top of the board guy and um and so I I I I'm not sure that it's it's just fitter here I think it's probably a combination and probably some bad luck there too but um yeah uh yeah that but the DJ the DJ Johnson thing is is frustrating cuz we're we're already seeing where that could have paid dividends off the bat if we had gotten another good tight end to to throw to it's they haven't made really in, any investment in any type of receivers being a t- whether it's, it's a tight they, end they, whether it's a receiver or whatever they haven't made any investment in that since DJ Moore they've blown every single pick they've used in like the second round to draft guys that are project receivers um, or oft injured receivers in the case of Terrace and he was also a project coming out. And that's gonna that's that's gonna kill you. You know, it's just we you know when we bring in free agents, there it's it's the same as like going back to the Gettleman era. Really, is just bringing in old you know kind of retread guys that they're 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 past their primes, and and that does not build that, that does not make for a well built team. I, I I partly agree with that. The the thing about it is though, we knew we were giving up a lot to get the Bryce pick. We knew DJ Moore was part of it, so it's not with the expectation that Bryce would make up for the lack of receiving talent because he is so intelligent. Yes, but I don't think we've had a chance. You cannot make a call on him two games in, man. Especially no, and, with and the play Bryce cannot right help it if he throws a ball straight to someone I mean, and they, they drop it. That they is not his off fault. Mingo twice last Listen, night. y'all, he was not going to have three hundred yards if it weren't for those couple of passes that that were dropped. I mean, it was like one or two passes that were great passes, and, but he, and he missed bumped. on others. Agreed. Yeah, but you got to know too. We don't know all these things. Like Steve Smith comes on there and says, it, and I've heard Greg Olson say it. If these 
fans knew half of what they think they know. It would be, you know, it's crazy because you don't know what route these guys are. Supposed you know to what run. I know? You don't know what the play Panthers is being are called. the worst team in the NFL. Okay, you can I would agree you with can that. you can look at any other team and realize that we're not playing the same type of ball that the rest of the teams are playing. I, I don't agree. I, I think the Chicago Bears are the worst team no, in the NFL. No, the the Chicago Bears have our first round picks that might end up being. I, I mean. We could potentially be the worst team in the NFL this year, and and I don't think so at all. Uh, we're you, you're looking at the bottom and seeing that is the ceiling, and that's just not the case here. There's no chance that Bryce Young doesn't get better over the course of the season. There's no chance that. that people don't learn from the decisions that are being made now to see what's going on. This is the first two games that any of these people have ever played together. Any of them, the coaching staff, many of the players, like it's like sixty percent of the players on the offense, like the skill position the, players on the, the offense. Defense there is, is the most. Yeah, they're the they're the cohesive unit because they've been playing together mm-hmm. for a while. So I, I know it's been hard, man, and I totally reflect the idea that since 2018 we've been a garbage franchise and we are desperate. The fan base is desperate for this to turn around. We are hanging on any little bit of good news in the hopes that that's the start. That's the bottom from where we climb out of and it all looks different at the end. And we had this same conversation last year and when we'll Baker continue. had a 100-yard performance in the fourth quarter against the Browns and guess what we continued to go downhill from there so I'm, I'm that's the thing I think I'm used to the copium the hopium now <laughs> that is that is the sign of a miserable poverty franchise Bears Jets Lions I mean I, I I agree with you as of right now. I just don't see that being the place that we're going to be at the end of the season. And I think there's good reason to believe that we can improve. The one area, the one area that I don't think we get to make a choice in as a team and that I think some of it's out of our control is the receiving room. Because unless we trade for somebody or somebody or get someone else in the receiving room, I don't think we can improve there. I think Bryce will learn and throw better balls. I think he will read the field better and be better there. I think the coaching staff will adapt and become better. The receivers not being able to get open because they're slow and apparently ninety years old, you know, is like I, I don't know the answer to that. That that part I think may not be fixable. But well, everything else I think is fixable. My fingers are crossed that Fit does not come up with some, or, or Tepper does not push some panicky tread, trade deadline kind of thing where we're shipping off Brian Burns for some, you know, no, I don't see that top 30 receiver. No, I don't see that. We've, we've been, we've been, we, we passed them too first. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. But I, mean, I, 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 I just, but, use him but, as an example. no, I got you. I, I, one thing I will say though, and this was going back to your point about, Second round picks, especially with receivers, they are hit and miss, man. I mean, and, and we've missed. So that's that's a fact. But they are not short things. They are not the Jamar Chases of the world. They're not the Justin Jeffersons. I mean, when 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 franchises go out and draft with their very first round pick, those guys up in that top 15, and it's a wide receiver, it's because they know these guys are him, so to speak. And so Well, maybe minus Kelvin Benjamin. I think what was he like number 13? <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that. Maybe that was 16. A miss. Old cheeseburger over there. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, ref, I echo a lot of your sentiments. I'm just not sold that that's the trajectory this year. And I, and I'm hopeful that we're going to, we're going to see that change, but let's go back to one thing that I wanted to talk about here. And it's something that Sheena addressed on Twitter next, as I mentioned earlier, it's something that we've talked about a little bit, but when does Frank Reich give up the play calling? I mean, I personally feel like he should have given it up already. Yeah. But 
I had a friend of mine who's not even a Panthers fan reach out to me yesterday and say, Adam, you've got to talk about this on the podcast because, listen, this this is hard. I mean, this is the most uninspiring play calling I've ever seen. So I'm I'm talking about it. And it's something that's been on a lot of Panthers fans' mind. But, I mean, Frank, right, I, he, he just doesn't look the part and the calls don't seem to be the part. And Which is wh- crazy because – I thought that was what he was hired for. Oh, we need an offensive mind. Well, I think if he's a brilliant head coach, then be a brilliant head coach, but know your strengths. If your strengths are inspiring people and bringing the best coordinators in, then do that. But if 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 there if your strengths are not being an offensive genius, then know that too. But I did see a bit of annoyance in his response to Sheena's question yesterday about that particular issue about whether Thomas Brown's going to be able to call. And I wonder if he's just going to be stubborn about the whole thing and push back at least another time. I mean, does there need to be outside influence? Does this need to be D- David Tepper? Stepping I, think in David, I think David Tepper would step in and tell him to quit calling plays if this continues. I really think he would. I think that's probably true. Yeah. And that might be what it takes. It, 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 it might be because again, I, I think that was really one of his biggest problems in in Indianapolis was he just he just refused to give up the play calling duties you know he liked to talk a lot about how he'd you know he would delegate and and how he would you know reflect on what he's doing and where the team is and and all that stuff but it seems like that was all just kind of lip service and that sucks because you'd like Frank Reich to be more uh more aware of of all that you know it's it's this weird it seems like he's really trying to baby the offense in general, and I'm not sure why, because it's ultimate. I just don't think that that's going to serve anybody. I think Thomas Brown is probably fully capable of calling plays. You know, if you're going to go ahead and accept that Bryce is not going to be especially good right now, which I don't think, you know, when you trade up to one to one overall, you should be, you should be expecting a lot more of your quarterback. We're not going to get that probably, but you just you you have to let these guys play to win not not play not to lose it's it's just i think we do kind of we have gotten a sense for his philosophy and why yeah. he's trying to do this but it's it is so misguided it is just not it's not going to be effective yeah just turn it over let these let let all these guys learn because right now it doesn't seem like they miles sanders running up the middle for one yard on first and second down who's who's learning anything right uh, I, I mean so all right, so just as predictions go, we like to do that on this podcast. If we have an anemic game next week, does he get pushed out of the play calling, Mel? I think uh, no. I think he – now, it depends if the fans really get in an uproar, but um, I think no, not next game. Well, I I would have to agree with that. I think it's probably going to take until the bye, at which point we could very realistically be Owen. Six, oh, and seven, whatever it is. You think it would take that long? I I think that Tepper is trying to be as hands off as possible because I think he is. I think Tepper is very image conscious. Mm-hmm. I think that's been pretty clear, and um, I, I think he knows that people are really concerned that he's going to be digging his grubby little chubby fingers into every corner of the team and screwing it up. And so I think he wants to avoid being perceived as is that owner and therefore he wants he he will let Reich really fall flat on his face before he goes that goes to his office behind closed doors and says hey man you gotta you gotta give it up to thomas brown let him start going at it i don't think he's gonna get that long 
I think he will get... I hope not. Yeah, I think he'll get past next week. I think if we had an anemic performance in line with what we had week one, week two, I think he still gets um, to call it week four. So uh, so if week three goes the way that week one, week two win, I still think he gets to call it on week four. But I think if week four goes that way, I think he gets pushed. And, and I think he should. And, and really, what I really hope happens is that he becomes aware of the fact that maybe this is not my strong suit maybe this is not my strong suit maybe i can be a leader in other ways that push the team forward and 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 really build on the strengths of the people that i've brought around me because why else did you bring her did you really bring thomas brown here to just let him coach practice like, practice i don't where, i don't know like what the thought process is where did thomas it's so brown bizarre come from where did he come from um i don't know how and I will say this while, while you're doing that. I think that uh, Tepper is going to be – because right after the bye, I think we play Indianapolis and then we play the Texans or maybe the order is reversed. Either way, I don't think Tepper wants to have his team and his number one overall pick going out there playing against those guys and us coming away putting up a, a, a stinker of a performance because that's going to be essentially a, a head-to-head comparison of the you know first-round draft pick quarterbacks, and you really cannot have your number one overall pick that you traded away your team's future for go out there and put up 120 yards passing if C.J. Stroud and or Anthony Richardson is going to be out there slinging yeah. it. Yeah. So you got to you, you know t- I think Tepper will make make some kind of push um to to have a more exciting offense thomas brown was the oc for the los angeles rams last year and the year before that so i I think he's a good sign i think he's had some success worked under sean mcveigh yeah right so and we all everybody believes that he's an offensive guru so hopefully (laughs) hopefully the writing will be on the wall for uh Frank Reich, when he goes to take those late night peas, I wonder if he and, he's and holding Thomas himself <laughs> up over the toilet. He's like Thomas Brown. I wonder if he and Thomas have, you know, butt heads over this. I don't know. That's got to be an interesting situation because you know they've never worked together before. So, I, I I recall in some of the the preseason press conferences, Frank Reich being like, "Yeah, you know, we have differences of opinion." Blah 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 blah. It, it, and, and Frank Reich's the head coach, so at the end of the day, he makes the call. But at the end of the day, if you're being aware of what's going on around you, you've got to give it a point, especially if what you're doing is not working. And right now, as of the first two games, it's not working. We'd all like to have gotten shot out of the cannon and, and, and I been like, running. I feel like the other coaching, the whole the other coaches on the coaching staff are going to speak up been and say something. It. I mean, the scheming's been evident in what Ajiro's been doing for the, the defense. And I, I think it is because Ajiro knows how to play to the strengths of his players versus doing the thing that Rivera and Rule did, which was a, a just a killer for the team, which is trying to force the players to fit into your scheme. And and I also think that's what Frank Reich is guilty of, is he's trying to force the players to fit into his scheme instead of, you know, my, my hope is that Thomas Brown could come in there and he's going to adjust his scheme to the strengths of the players. That's, that's really important. And that's what I think ultimately makes or breaks a great coach or a great coordinator. Well, apparently Eric Bieniemy's from what it, we've he's been seeing, it. he's yeah, killing it. He's yeah. been killing it in Washington. Yeah. All right. Well, we've covered that. Now let's get on to some more fun topics. 
All right, you guys, <laughs> as we always like to do, we like to introduce a fun topic because basically that's the only thing that keeps us together in this <laughs> three these years. Dark hours. Yeah, these dark hours of, of subpar performance from the Panther. So to that end, uh, let's get into it tonight. If Bryce Young was to date a Kardashian or Jenner, who would he date and why? And Mel, I think we should go to you first. All right, I would say it would definitely not be um, Chloe or Kendall because they're way too tall for him. So that would leave um, Kim, and she's too much, so take her off the list. And then that would leave um, Courtney, and Courtney is has gone a little crazy. So no, so I'm I'm gonna have to go with uh, Kylie, but just just because process I, of elimination. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's. Watched you work through that, and that was awesome. Um, Will, what are your thoughts? Oh, he's definitely taking Chloe. Yeah, he wants the he wants the biggest girl. Oh there. my God, I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure, Amazon woman yeah. speaks to this man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I see Bryce with with Chloe 100. I, I see him thinking of it as a challenge, and also thinking of his progeny. You know, I I do think that there's going to be some bit of a complex for him being in a league where basically the biggest men in the world play at an elite athletic level and he's puny by comparison even greg said you know he's small yeah uh and i could totally see him going for that type of woman i i just yeah i'm with you on that i I like the progeny idea too i i hadn't i hadn't thought of that angle but but for sure yeah if he can get some of those height genes in there i mean did you saw his dad on tv last night right his dad's a big dude he is a way he's a big dude so i don't know what happened there with with bryce you just got the runt gene i guess who knows man uh, my dad's six four and i'm not that But by everyday standards, Bryce Young and tiny, a tiny human being. No, but listen, like literally, we're almost the same size, same height, and I'm probably 15 pounds less than he is. You don't see me out there slinging balls in the uh, NFL, do you? I don't think his. I, I know everybody disagrees with. Me. I don't think his his you know height or lack thereof is going to be his downfall look i don't i don't i don't think so either i see athleticism and i see smarts come about i'm seeing the processing there even though it's not been all put together i think it's it's way too early and way negative for us to sit there and think that we've seen the best that he's gonna do uh but but again think about me your friend neighbor playing in the nfl that's the size that bryce young is though to be uh, bryce did have he has had the longest i don't know if it's the longest run or the longest play from scrimmage with that 26 yard run last night i was i mean he's not he's not okay i thought you were gonna say something else Oh. What would you think he was going to say? Yeah. The longest run without being injured. And I was like, oh God, don't say it. Oh no, I'm uh, quite. I'm not really worried about Bryce's injury thing. You know, he's not like Anthony Richardson, who just seems to have no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. Just like full steam ahead. I got a helmet on. I got pads on. Nobody can hurt me, right? <laughs> I mean that. I well, know. it's interesting that you say that because we definitely saw that from Cam, and I think that comes from a place of where they've always been if not the biggest, close to the biggest guy in the room. 
They just happen to play the quarterback position. I hope for Anthony Richardson's sake that he looks at what happened in Cam's career. Now, the shoulder injury from what's-his-name on the Steelers could not have been helped, but no. some of the hits that he took, like I remember Cam like slow-walking it into the yes, end zone against the yes. Falcons and taking got, getting a He got walloped, walloped on that play. And that was just dumb on Cam's part. And there was nobody <laughs> at fault but Cam on Showboating, that. Showboating, yeah. yeah. Funny. And, and I mean, yeah, I think he even admitted God, that. God, I miss those days. Yeah, I mean, well, not when you see your guy get injured because he did something that dumb, you know. I mean, it's it's not – well, anyway, the long story short is I'm just hopeful that Anthony Richardson sees some of the downfalls that, you know, were part of Cam's game and, and tries not to do that. Because as, as, as much as I want Bryce to be the best out of the three that came out really, you know, in the first round this year – I don't want to see any of them get hurt no. or or um, or not play well. I, I think it'd be great. I like all three if of the, the guys. Yeah, yeah. If, if at the end of the day, we just happen to have the guy that was that much better, and we won the big games around them. But this was a this was that Peyton Manning, you know, uh, Tom Brady kind of rivalry situation going on, or, or Drew Brees. You know, when we had the greats playing all at the same time, it'd be great to see that in a few years that. And all three of those guys were part of that that discussion. So, but anyway, yeah, going back to the point of the uh, fun topic, yeah, Chloe's Chloe, yeah, Bryce Young's climbing up that <laughs> that Chloe flagpole. <laughs> actually, they actually might be like the same height or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know if she's over six feet. Bro, but in she heels, looks like she's six four or something like that. She looks like the epitome of an Amazon. Woman. Well, it's because Kim and the other Courtney are like five foot two or something. Oh, you think so? Five one. Yeah. Oh, I guess like on TV crazy. everybody they looks, are definitely yeah. super that short. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well then you might be right. But she was with when she was with uh, what was his name? L- Lamar, Lamar Odom. Odom. She looked. Like she was creeping on his height a little bit. And he's like in, six in heels, nine. yeah, in heels. Yeah. She's not a small woman. Well, anyway, it'd be it'd be fun to see. Prediction for next week? Oh no, we didn't make a prediction for next week. Uh, we are playing Seattle away. In Seattle, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Seattle looks to be legit. Gino's Gino, playing yeah. really well. Are they two and zero? No, no, they're, they're one, one, and one, one and one. That's right. That's right. Um, Will. I, I'm pretty sure I know what your prediction is. It's it's a loss. I think Bryce is probably going to hover. You know, I, I still don't think he's going to surpass 150 yards. I, I got to walk back all my previous predictions for him. Um, I, I I I don't have I don't have much hope for this game. <laughs> I think the, the I think it's going to be more of the same or the future. No, nope. yeah, it's, it's at least not the future of the Panthers. I, there, I, I don't see any way mm. that there's a win unless some you know. Our defense is going to have to put up like two touchdowns, and they're going to be too tired from last night. They're going to be worn out. They're going to have they're going to travel all the way to the other coast. No, oh, I don't man. see. Anybody. Oh, that is tough too. Yeah. yeah, they are playing at I think four o'clock, four twenty-five. What are those weird numbers are? Yeah, um, on Sunday. So yeah, four o five. Um, oh, I can't. We can't go three and three losses. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. No, they're they're gonna win. They're gonna okay, win seven. You're right. 1714. If people out there could see the eye rolls that just happened in here. Yeah. Some people were looking at the back of their skulls. It was that bad. But no, 1714. We're going to end this on a positive note. The Panthers are going to start getting their act together and Frank Wright's going to sort it out. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of the podcast. 
tough week this week for the Panthers, but we need to thank all the staff to help make the show possible. Uh, we'd like to thank our chief program editor, Susan B. Cutting. She's been here for years, and she helps make it all happen. <laughs> our head of culinary affairs, Mo Salt. Our office intern, Anna Prentice. I guess she's really just, you know, she's just an intern. Our new on-call and never-stalled staff uro- urologist, Ivana Tinkle. Our Louisiana <laughs> Bayou correspondent. Wait, did we change her? Yeah, she's new. Okay. Yeah, IP Freely retired. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. All right. No, I'm sorry. We, we didn't announce that. I just wanted to clarify. No, and I forgot to send that email out earlier today, and I'm sorry about that. IP, we're, we apologize. Yeah. Well, thanks for all the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> the hard work. <laughs> oh, gosh. Our Louisiana Bayou correspondent, <laughs> Alligator. Our director of geriatric care, Live Long. Our coastal Carolina meteorologist, Harry Kane. Our Tom Brady liaison, Hugh Jass. Our office pipe inspector, Lee King. Our office pasta aficionado, Al Dente. And finally, our head of cigarette marketing and research, Nick Oteen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, before we get out of here, is there anything else? Uh, well, I, I think we need to fire Alligator after uh, this this Saints loss. I, I don't want a Louisiana correspondent on our on our staff anymore. Sorry, Allie. That's uh, fair, but you can't. HR says you can't say that stuff out loud, dude. Okay, that's, that's just got to be said in secret text threads that we don't reveal. Anyway, anything further? That's it. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. Keep pounding, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.